Welcome back to All Things Mysterious, where we talk about true crime, supernatural, and all things mysterious. I'm Matt. And I'm Jordan. Thank you for listening. Jordan, what do I absolutely love more than anything? Making me angry. Yep. And today's going to be one of those days where... I'm finally going to get back to you, back at you for all the times you make me mad. I thought you did that on the Mandela effect episode. <laughs> oh, I really did. But this is, this is like the icing on the cake here. Why? Because it is glorious. Uh, Why? Well, well, Why do you do this to me? We're, how do you feel about vigilante justice? Um, it's just kind of a trick question. Cause like, I really like superheroes. We've all known so about hit, my you, Mandela effect. Episode, or not. Yeah. Because like, I mean, Thor. But also at the same time, the justice system is there for a reason. You know? But Thor. So what if I told you uh, by the end of this story, you will 100% be for vigilante justice, as, at least in this case. We all know whatever I say, you're just going to tell me something exactly. otherwise. I'm going to feel whatever you don't want me to feel. So it's whatever. <laughs> I've learned your ways, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about a true Chester. Is his name Chester? No. Oh, well, that's disappointing. But he is Chester in his heart. I'll accept it this one time. Today, we're going to talk about Ken Rex McElroy. Have you ever heard of him? Good. I'll tell you all about him. Matthew. So imagine this. The... It's July 10th, 1981. Ooh, back in the 80s. All right. In a place not too far from here. By not too far, it's in Missouri. <laughs> that could be so far, but okay. Skidmore, Missouri, to be exact. Where is that? Uh, over Kansas City-ish kind of area. Oh, okay. Well, it's not that far. It's kind of mm-hmm. localish. Anyway. Anyways, there's 434 residents that live there at the time. And Ken was killed in broad daylight with as many as 60 60 witnesses. And the case is still unsolved. Okay, I see where you're going with this. Intrigued? I am. I knew you would be. So before we go on to the, you know, the meat of the pie here. I don't know if that's how you say it. (laughs) Close enough. I kind of like it. So, you know what? I'll take it. Let's get into a little background of Ken. Now, Ken was born June 1st, 1934. He was born into a poor family. Obviously, the 30s, pretty much everybody was. Yeah, wasn't that like the Great Depression? (laughs) It was right around that time. Okay, that's fair. I'm not great at history, so. Yeah, so uh, he dropped out of school in the eighth grade. And he was thought to be mostly illiterate till the date of his death. Uh... So, you know, not the smartest guy, but I would argue that he was actually pretty smart because he got away with a lot of stuff. And we'll get into that here shortly, but stop trying to push me ahead, Jordan. Um, yeah, very much pushing. <laughs> I am I am pushing a lot, as you can tell. So the start of and up until this point, Ken was a mostly normal person, normal kid. Uh 
nothing really super, you know, super obvious that he was going to be a horrible person. Now at 18, he was seriously injured when a steel slab fell on him at a construction site. Okay. It left him in severe pain and a possible head injury. Now, some have used that as a, you know, to try to explain the behavior uh, that maybe the head injury was what caused his violent behavior. I mean, it's possible because I know that like traumatic brain injuries can definitely change your behaviors. Yeah, it is. And I am, you know, I'm kind of on the fence because I don't want to give him any, um, yeah, give him any excuses. outs or anything or excuses for his actions. Because as you'll see, like, you will grow to hate this guy pretty soon. Trust me. I, I believe uh, you. You called him a Chester, so yeah. that's that's and plenty enough for me. I think honestly, the Chester isn't even a strong enough word for him. Wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Uh, so he was a large man, uh, pretty tall, and two hundred seventy pounds. Yeah, that that is a large man. And the most important thing to him was he wanted to be important and feared. And oh, he was. That's always goals. Yeah. That's that's my goals. For sure. I would like to be important and feared. Well, you you are neither. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I, thanks, Matt. <laughs> I would at least like to be important. You, Jesus Christ. Maybe not you, feared. You walked, but right, you walked right into that. Sorry. Screw off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I hate you so much. So... <laughs> now we're, we're going to get into how he made his income how he made a living okie dokie I and have it, a feeling it's not going to be great but well, okay some of it wasn't too bad so he would lease land near his farm he owned a bunch of land and he okay. would lease a lot of it well that makes sense it's not that bad not that bad he would also raise dogs and sell the dogs like and even trade them from time yeah. to time for different stuff that he needed. So, so far, you know, pretty decent. Yeah, it's not bad. So far. Matt's that, making a face. That's where it ends. Because he also got his income from stealing livestock, grain, alcohol, gasoline, and antiques. So Good. he was a, most of his income was from theft. Excellent. Um, Real go-getter, that one. Yeah. So now let's talk about his relationships because this is where you're really going to get angry. Oh, goody. I'm, pre- I'm prepared. I'm so prepared. Be angry. <sighs> I'm, I'm just going to say this. His preferred girls were age 13 and 14. I'm sorry. Hold up. What? No. Mm-hmm. no that's not a preference. That's There's not more. a preference. Excuse me. He raped at least two girls, age 12. That's not, that is pedophilia. Mm-hmm. At, that's not. So his third wife, Trina McLeod, was one of the girls that he raped. Wife? Yes, because at age 14, he married her so she couldn't testify against him. Oh my God. Oh, there's more. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's a Chester. I'm going to just, yeah, not, we're not even fully into it. I can see by Matt's face, but he, yeah. So in order, Chester status, fully. In, in order to get married, 
he had to get her parents' blessing and permission, basically. They would not give their permission. Rightfully freaking so. So, how do you think he got their permission? It's not going to be good. It's really not going to be good. He decided the best course of action was to burn down their house and shoot their dog. I'm sorry. What the fuck? Oh, I mean, there's more. There's more. <laughs> so, um, later on, uh, she got pregnant about age 14 with their child. The, yeah. That is, there aren't words. Oh, it's, it gets worse. It gets, so, <laughs> it gets worse. So she soon, uh, ended up, tried to leave him with, the, with their child. Good for her. She went to their parents' house and he responded by burning down their house again and shooting their dog again. Good. Good. What the shit? I mean, freaking psychopath. I guess at least he's consistent. Jesus H. Christ. I mean, I think you would like change it up a little bit or, you know. Uh, no, he's very consistent in his methodology I mean, of torture. I mean, I get, it, it worked the first time. So, because eventually, you know, when he did it the first time, they Jesus. eventually relented and gave their permission. So, and that it worked, it worked again because she went back to him. She was 14 years old. Oh my God. So. She is very much a victim in this, obviously. Uh, yeah, she's a child. But she also... She defended him quite often. Well, she was probably freaking brainwashed. And after she was killed, she was interviewed by People Magazine. And she went on to say that the house fires were just from faulty wire. Um, No, but okay. Yeah. So Ken was accused of of abusing his first two wives, Sharon and Alice. Uh, Alice and Trina would later claim that Ken treated them very well and Mm -hmm. there was no abuse. Mm -hmm. And Alice would, you know, along with Trina would go on to defend Ken Mm -hmm. very much so after his death. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trina claimed that the police harassed him. Uh, because they were scared of him and because he won't bow down to him. What in yeah. the ever? And he was a good guy. Uh, no, <laughs> he burnt down her, a freaking child's yeah. house so that he could marry her and he killed their dog twice. Who freaking kills the dog too? I don't ask me because this it's Jesus. we're not even we're not even out of the the horrible section yet. I had a uh, feeling. We're going to go deeper into the horrible section. Excellent. Love it. But before we do that, it, it's important to know that, you know, Trina said the police harassed him, right? Uh, uh, I'm sure they probably did. But in truth, the police were scared of Ken. They Rightfully were, so, it seems. Yeah, because he would always, he was always heavily armed and he was not afraid to shoot the, at the police. I mean, the man seems a little bit cray cray. So yeah, seemed he died. Good. Not sorry for that. <laughs> so he was indicted 21 times in his life. 21. 21. He was only convicted once. What kind of witchcraft? So 
there there's many reasons and we're going to get into them because uh the first one is he had a damn good lawyer uh his lawyer richard gene mcfadden uh he was based out of kansas city and he allegedly represented the mob and Ken would go around, you know, bragging about that all the time. I mean, to be entirely fair, that's about the only way that I could see him getting out of this. So I can't say that oh, allegedly shit. that's false. He was because good. that's about the only way that I can see him getting out of that many yeah. charges. He was good at keeping him out of jail. Uh, Obviously, with 21 charges, he estimated that Ken was charged with at least three crimes a year. Yeah. And every single one. Now. It's important to note here that um, it wasn't just his lawyer because there was other ways that he kept himself out of jail. I'm sorry, what? He was very fond of witness intimidation. Oh, I love this guy so much more now. Great. Anytime someone was going to testify against him, he would follow them constantly, park outside their homes, and just awesome. constantly do that until they agreed not to testify. Solid guy. Yeah. Real. Uh, real solid guy. So some of the crimes he was, you know, accused of and uh, charged with were robbery, harassment, assault and women, destroying property, Jesus, death threats, assault, Including shooting at least two people. Oh my God. One of them was, uh, his name was Romain Henry. He was a local farmer. Uh, and Henry, you know, Ken came onto Henry's property. So Henry tried to get him off his property, right? Fair. Reasonable thing to do. Didn't have a gun. Just was trying to, you know, get him off the property. Yeah, right. Just get the heck off. Leave. Ken responded by shooting him in the stomach. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's what a sane person would obviously do. So uh, as much as you love this guy already, uh, it's going to get worse. Uh, because worse. we're kind of getting to Great. the climax of his story, as you will. Uh, because we're going to talk about on April 25th, 1980. Now, on that day, we're going to meet Ernest Bo Bowenkamp. He was the owner of a general store there in Skidmore. Okay. And we're going to talk about an incident incident that honestly didn't even involve him. It was just his store. So his store clerk, Evelyn Sumi, uh, was on shift. Ken's eight-year-old daughter, Tanya, was there. Uh, I believe she was there with her mom. Uh, Ken wasn't here at the time. Now, Tanya decided to take a piece of candy and not pay for it. Evelyn saw this and asked the girl to give the candy back. You know, that's it. Just asked her to give the candy back. Reasonable request. So, as a stable, sane person, how do you think Ken responded to this? Probably shot him or something. Well, when Ken learned of this incident, he began stalking the Bowen Cat family. Or stalking. Yep, that's sane. 
And on July 8th, 1980, Ken drove to the alley behind the general store. He again threatened Bo Bowenkamp and shot him in the neck close range with a shotgun. Again, sane. Super, super sane. So sane. Now, here is the miraculous part. Bo survived. Oh, wow. That is impressive. Close range with a shotgun and he survived the neck. That's, that's uh, honestly, that's a miracle. Yeah. So Ken Especially was immediately Especially with medical care arrest- back then. Yeah. Ken was immediately arrested for attempted murder. Uh, the preliminary trial was set for August 18th, 1980. Now, he had his great lawyer, but he didn't want to just settle for, you know, letting his lawyer get him off of this Oh, one. God. This ought to be great. So when he was out on bail, he tried to intimidate the Bone Cat family to prevent them from testifying. He would sit outside their house for hours and even sometimes fire his gun. His wife had said that it was a pure nightmare. You didn't know what he was going to do. Well, yeah, like Jesus. The law wouldn't stop him. And she just did. She said, I don't know if we're going to survive. You know, I didn't know from day to day if he was just going to finally kill us. God, yeah. Imagine living in that state. Like just literally just imagine living every single day having no idea if you are going to just like be shot and killed like you I the the level of sheer terror and anxiety that you would feel oh my god yeah I can't even imagine just especially the, like with your family like oh, oh no wow. and and the rage from that personally I would be terrified but I also would be like ready to explode yeah, it's it's this whole thing is just like like you can kind of start to build the picture of why this town may have, you know, decided to take justice into their own hands. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I can. So the trial ha- was delayed for about five months, uh, give or take, you know, due to legal maneuvers by the you know lawyer. Right. Uh, so on July 20, it was delayed to July 25th, 1981. And during this, you know, time, the Acton prosecuting attorney resigns. Just decided to quit. Sounds uh, a little fishy to me. So David Baird is hired as a new prosecuting attorney. Hmm. He was three years out of law school at this point. Bad sketch. But he did the one thing that no one else could do. Really? He got a conviction. Ooh, I like it. Hold on. Oh, you're not going to like it. Oh, no, I'm not going to like it. Okay. Obviously, Ken was suspected of making the previous prosecutor quit by the intimidating him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, They never proved that, but he kind of, you know, it was heavily implied. Uh. So he was convicted, but he was only convicted of second degree assault instead of attempted murder. Great. So now Bayer did this for a 
specific reason because he knew that it would be easier to get the conviction for the second degree assault instead of the attempted murder. better than nothing. Yeah. So at least got something to stick, which as much as I hate is something at least out of 21. What was the word? 21 convictions. Yeah. 21 convictions. At least something. Yeah. Not 21 charges. 21 indictments. Indictments. Thank you. Something finally freaking stuck. Or at least started to stick. Yeah. It just. (sighs) So the jury did set the maximum sentence. Give him the maximum sentence for this. But it was only two years. Really? Yeah. That was the maximum that I could do for that charge. But it was still time. So now this judge in this case did something that I will never understand to this day. So obviously he appealed the decision. Of course he did. And the judge freed him on $40,000 bond. Pendant appeal. But why though? I, to this day, I don't know, but Ken was convinced that he would win the appeal. Uh, he, of course Ken was, he had that super crazy mob lawyer person. Yeah. He basically said, you know, I may have been convicted of this, but I'm, we're going to go through appeal and they're going to toss it out. I'm not going to spend a day in jail. Great. And to his, to his credit, he was right. Of course. Not the way that he thought, but he was right. So soon after his release on, you know, bail, mind you. He was at the D&G Tavern in Skidmore. He decided to make graphic threats about murder and bow while he had a rifle with a bayonet on it. And by graphic th- threats, I mean he like was graphic, literally... Graphic. Yeah, he was telling everybody exactly how he was going to murder Bo. Good. Uh, you know, healthy. Super healthy. He was immediately arrested, but then released on bail again. Uh, The court was postponed to July 20th, 1981 because he violated bail provisions. How he got released, I have no idea. Uh, That's one thing that is this whole case is just frustrating because the legal system dropped the ball so much. Uh, just a ton. All I can say is I wish, you know, this lawyer might have been done good defending OJ Simpson because yeah. he was apparently that good. Obviously. Um, so now let's fast forward to July 10th, 1981. Ten days before he was supposed to go back to court to find out if his conviction was going to be overturned. Ten days? Ten days. Ten days. The town decided to have a town hall uh, next to the um, tavern. It was uh, like a legion hall. Meeting. Yeah. There was at least 60 residents that attended, including the mayor and sheriff. Their purpose was to discuss like what they could do to legally protect themselves from Ken. Uh, Now, Sheriff Dan Estes he really truly did his best. Uh, His hands were tied for much of this, but he was one of the ones that arrested Ken the most. No. Bravo, Sheriff. But he also kind of 
So his idea was for them to form a neighborhood watch. Really? Yeah. He, really? He encouraged them to basically try to avoid Ken as much as possible and, you know, not to confront him because he didn't want things to get worse. Well, I mean, definitely confronting him would for sure make it worse. And then the sheriff left town after the meeting, which kind of funny. I'm pretty sure the le- she left to kind of keep his hands out of it. Probably. Uh, because Ken and Trina were spotted headed to the tavern, D&G Tavern. And that's when the residents decided to take justice into their own hands. They went over to the tavern. Uh, you know, Trina and Ken were in the bar drinking. As soon as they came out, there was about 60 plus residents surrounding this truck. Ooh. Some went into the into the bar to kind of watch him. Uh, they both get into the truck. And at that moment, before they take off, two gunshots ring out. Ooh. And by two, I mean actually multiple, but from two different guns. <laughs> uh, now, Jack Clement, uh, he was one of the witnesses. He actually got Trina out of the truck. Because Trina kind of them for watching out for her. Yeah, Trina kind of ju- as soon as the shots were fired, she kind of jumped out of the truck trying to take cover. Uh, Jack Ow. Clement picked her up and got her out of the way. So they did care about Trina, and you know they didn't want her hurt. Um, after the gunfire stopped, Ken was dead at age forty-seven. Um, and not one person tried calling an ambulance. Darn the luck. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. But uh, darn the luck. So obviously the cops were called. Um, they interviewed everybody. Remind there were 60 people who saw this. Not one person gave up any names except oh. for one person. One person gave up a name? Trina. She says she saw Del Clement fire the shots that killed Ken. Uh, now, Del was the co-owner of the tavern. But obviously there was multiple, multiple shooters because there was yep, right. you know, two guns used. Uh, but he was never charged they had a grand jury they had a medical you know medical examiner's inquiry nothing ever there was never enough evidence to you know charge him because there was (laughs) only one witness and you got one person (laughs) saying it was him and then 60 other people saying no it wasn't him we didn't see him shoot anybody oh that's great uh so Dell died in 2009 and he always denied being the shooter. So we don't know for sure who it was. Uh, we know that there was two shooters. We just don't know which two. And the town, for what it's worth, never once said anything. I mean, for 60 people, 60 plus people to keep a secret that long. That is phenomenal. And even to this day, I mean, this happened back in 1981. To this day, not one person has ever 
said who actually fired the shots. That is awesome. It really is. Uh, now, following oh. his death, um, the town oh. experienced a mix of relief and uncertainty. Obviously, there was an investigation. Uh, Sheriff Estes, you know, knew what Ken was like, but he still had to investigate the case. Yeah. And he tried his hardest to find a suspect. I mean, he he had a job to do. It wasn't the job he wanted to do, but it was the job that he was paid to do. Yeah, I mean, you you have to. If you're a sheriff, that's, that's what you have to do, which sucks because, yeah. like, I mean, it's literally what you have to do. And, and that's why, honestly, like, a lot of people were bashing the sheriff uh, for doing his job. Because it's, they said, well, he it seems like he let, you know, Ken do whatever he want and get away with whatever he want. Yeah, but and, how many times did he also arrest him at the same yeah, time? Like, exactly. it yeah. wasn't like he just let this dude slip around and slide and do whatever he wanted. He arrested him. It, I don't know how many of those 21 times. I, yeah, I don't know, but he he arrested him quite often. Um, he Obviously, was, the dude was doing his best. He just couldn't get anything to stick. Yeah, I mean, and. He would do his best, and then it seemed like in a lot of these, the courts would be the where exactly. Everything. It wasn't the sheriff; it was the courts. Um, but and he still got a brunt of it because he was kind of the face of it, and yeah, that, that you know, tracks in people's minds. He was basically allowing this monster to terrorize them for you know all these years, and then when he gets killed, instead of turning a blind eye you know, that he instantly starts investigating it, which, you know, again, I mean, it's I, a legal thing. Like you freaking have to, Yeah, he can't pick and choose which crimes does, you know, investigate. And honestly, that's why I think he is a good person because he did not like, he actually tried to solve this case. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I could have done it. Like that's I, one of the reasons I probably could not work in law enforcement. Like if somebody like that was murdered, I, probably would not have done a great job on it. I would have been like, oh, I looked at the evidence. Can't find it, darn. Yeah. And I mean. But that's why I'm yeah, not in law enforcement, exactly. you guys. Like, that's why. <laughs> darn it. Can't figure it out. Case closed. <laughs> it was like. So McElroy was buried in St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, which makes me believe that Skidmore. Which I didn't actually look at this, but I'm pretty sure Skidmore is probably somewhere up in the St. Joseph oh, area. Oh, so you misled me. Great job. It's Kansas City, St. Joe area. Same it's thing. way further up, yeah. but okie dokie. But anyways, um, after his death, uh, his wife, Trina, who, mind you, was the one that he raped at 12, married at 14, had a kid with shortly after. That yeah. poor kid, though. Like, I she know. went through so much. Like, two house fires. I Both of her dogs were shot like she went through so freaking much I yeah, and at such a freaking young influential tough age like and that's God, the other that thing is that a lot of people are bashing Trina and even the his other two ex-wives for to kind of defending them but I mean you gotta understand two of his ex-wives he raped as children yeah, like that's not something that you mentally get over, I wouldn't think. And not easily anyway. By the way, there's questions like about the legality of the marriage because he some of them overlapped. 
Yeah, that's probably not legal. Uh, where he was married with one wife and didn't get married the other one and then got divorced from the first one. Yeah, so, that's probably not legal. But for some reason, like they never actually pursued that. I don't. It there was this, and you know, it could just be after the fact speculation, and you know, I don't know. But I don't know if this any of this obviously, you know. She was 12, so there was a lot more going on than if the marriage was legal or not. Because I have um, no idea, but still, that's just horrible. And it's like, you know, this was back in like the 70s, I think. Cause I, I think had she to have been like, before because it was she, he died yeah. in 81, and I think she was like 20 something when he died. So I think, uh, oh, mathematics, yeah. Anyways, Ugh. it wasn't like it was back in like 40s or something. When, yeah. You know, as gross as it is, that would be more acceptable back unfortunately then. Unfortunately, disgustingly common. Yeah. So, you know, obviously 70s, 80s, well, probably 70s, early 60s, late 60s, maybe. Um, and I didn't get the dates on when that actually happened because I did not want to look too much into that. Can't blame to be you. Honest. Can't. Uh, I honestly feel like I'm going to take a shower after this case. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. I feel skeevy. Yeah. So <laughs> Trina filed a wrongful death lawsuit uh, against the town of Skidmore, County of Nodaway, which is where the city's located, and Sheriff John Estes and others, including Dell. Um, and I think she even named some of the witnesses who just didn't Stood say anything. there and yeah. And... I believe she actually included Jack Clement in the lawsuit. Oh, well. The one who saved her and made sure that she was okay. He gets, you know, basically. Trauma will do something to you, man. And so I, I'm told. I keep having to tell myself that, you know, she was a victim too and all this. But it's hard when some of the stuff she did. Uh, yeah. It is. But so, and this is kind of um Makes me a little bit happy uh, because they ended up settling out of court with her. Uh, they gave her $17,600, which back then was quite a bit. Yeah, back then that was a lot of money. Uh, and honestly, like I said, she was a victim. So I think, you know, she got it. got what she deserved. Uh, I think she probably should have got a lot more for what she went through, but she went through a lot. Now, granted, um, her actions are all sorts of twisted, but she went through so much trauma. Like, yeah, yeah her actions are screwed up, but her brain's got to be so twisted in there from what he did and what he had to have brainwashed into her. I like, know. it's he spent so many years twisting her brain to believe all the things that he probably believed. And then he probably twisted it even further into all sorts of things that we don't even know. Yeah. And then obviously there was, you know, people accused him of abusing her and there was, you know, he probably did worse than what was already there. And that's what like her parents said was, you know, the reason that she left him the first time was because she was abusing him. Probably. Or and he was abusing her. Yeah. Yeah. No. She was, or he was abusing her. Sorry. Uh, and that's why she left him. And, you know, so it, I don't think she would say that he was abusing her just to leave her. Um, you know, I think obviously that's probably accurate. 
but and I also know that you know, especially unfortunately in you know relationships of abuse, they tend to go back. Yeah. Uh, so, and obviously once they once you burn down. Yeah, once the guy burns down her house and kills her dog. Well, yeah, again. I mean, where are you supposed to go? And that's terrifying because, like, what else is going to happen? What else is he going to do? Who else is he going to hurt if I leave again? Uh, because he has that crazy amount of control. Like, I mean, as a woman, I can see how that would be terrifying because, like, we're, especially back then, like, at that age, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who else is he going to hurt? Is he going to kill my parents? Is he going to kill my family? Who else is he going to kill on my behalf if I leave? Is he going to kill me? Yeah. I mean, it's just... She had a daughter at 14 with a guy who well, was... Well, yeah, and, like, what if he was hurting her? Yeah, I mean... daughter, you know? like I, I will say, as sick as it is, from all evidence, he was actually a relatively good father to her. That's terrifying. Which is kind of... It's good, but that's yeah. terrifying. I mean... Strangely, a relief. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually going to do this, but, you yeah. know, a lot of what he did was for his daughter. So... Well, something know. had to have gone right somewhere in there. And in no way, shape, or form, and I excuse any of his other actions. Or I mean, defending he was a him. Piece of crap. Uh, like, I am not sad that he died. I'm usually the one that kind of the voice of reason and stuff like this. This is fair. You're usually uh, finding ways to yeah. tear people down. But no, it's it's entirely fair. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's this whole situation. Like, the, the amount of abuse and, you know, fear that this town was living in. Because you had a man here who was seemingly above the law. Like, no one could touch him. Yeah. And he knew that. And they knew that. I mean, what else are you going to do? Uh, you know, it's like everyone's so surprised this happened. But, like, the town had no other option. Like, the law no, wasn't going to help didn't. them. And, I mean... It, it's just, it, it shocks me, like, that, you know, the judges, prosecutors, even the cops were all surprised that this happened when, you know, they literally had no other option. No, no, they didn't. I mean, they didn't know if they were going to survive. They didn't know, you know, if he was just going to go berserk and kill everybody. I mean, he might have. And at that point, the cops didn't have a whole lot of control over if he did or not. Yeah, he nearly shot a guy's head off with a shotgun, point blank. And which still amazes me that he survived. I know. That's crazy. Uh, Congrats to that yeah. guy because dang. But I mean, this whole story just angers me well it does but i can see the vigilante justice being great in this story because like am i for it not usually because the justice system is there for a reason yeah. and in other cases we've gone over it's it's either failed or it's just not set up correctly to win yeah and see here's my problem with vigilante justice is you get let's say somebody gets accused of you know, hurting a child. Mm-hmm. You take justice into your own hands and you kill that person. Then. Then you find out that it was made up story. Or exactly. it was fabricated. 
And that that's the problem is like people are, you know, especially these days, like, honestly, I don't trust anybody to do vigilante justice this day. No, uh, there's so many rumors and just random. You hear something on Facebook and you automatically take it as truth. Mm hmm. Like, I'm more of a person who I want to know all the facts before I make mm-hmm. a decision. And I, you know, part of the way that I am, I like tr- constantly try to disprove myself. Like, I'll, no. you know, keep reading and learn, and I want to prove myself wrong. Well, and you've even proved that in many of the episodes that we've done. It's like you're always trying to dig deeper, yeah. which is great because we don't want to judge if we don't have to judge we want to always see both sides of things or all the sides of things because it's not always just two-sided it can be quadruple sided and you know that's often why I like I I will often take a adversary approach you know approach with you is because you know because there's always going to be that voice of doubt the the person who you know and I don't want to just take something for granted saying, hey, this is how this stuff is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I want to look at it and be like, this doesn't make sense. Or, you know, this could be a possible explanation or, you know. But dear God, in this case, like, what the heck else were they supposed yeah. to freaking do? He I mean, ran the whole freaking town until they were stuck. Yeah, and this I is, mean, he stalked that family, just oh yeah. sat and stalked them until they were basically going to die of anxiety themselves. Like, oh, yeah. And this is the part that literally gets me like, it's not just one or two people saying this. There I mean, the hundreds, cops were basically scared yeah, of him. There were hundreds of stories of, you know, this guy intimidating them. You know, it was not something that was like just, you know, one person said this and then everybody started spreading that rumor around, you know? Yeah, no, it's just story it's, after story yeah. after story. I mean, and this, the, what I'm presenting today is only like a tip of the iceberg. Like you could literally go down a rabbit hole and see a whole bunch more stuff. I believe that. Um, Seems like a real gem. Yeah, there's stuff that I did not feel comfortable putting on here. Um, That's fair. And as you can see by what I did put on here, that that's how bad it is. Uh, there was a lot of things that he was accused of. Yep. Yeah, so I follow you. We'll, we'll not uh, go into that. We'll not discuss those. So good on that. There is a slight happy story because, you know, Trina McElroy. Was, uh, you know, sorry, every yeah, time Matt stumbles over something, it makes me giggle. So she later on, you know, moved to uh, Lebanon, Missouri, remarried, had a pretty normal life, you know. That's good. Good for her. Uh, Cause like, man, she went through friggin' enough. Yeah. She passed away in 2012. Well, I mean, that sucks, but she went through enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she did. And she kind of, she would give interviews here and there. Yeah. Uh, never stopped defending him, never stopped, you know, trying to get justice. And so now here's where the shoe drops for me. Cause you know, I think that the town did what they had to do. I agree with you. But at the same time, I think that they need justice. And I think the people who killed him need to turn themselves in. I think it's been long enough unless they're already passed. Yeah. Possible. Depends on who it was. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the main suspect, uh, Dell was, had already passed in 2009. 
I feel uh, like if it was people that have already passed, I feel like they can let that secret go now. See, but and I think they should have just turned themselves in right away because I think they would have went through court and they probably would have got off without even. Because, Definitely possible with all the know, threats and everything yeah. else. But for them to escape justice, they are doing exactly what he did. You're not wrong. And that's that's what that's, that's an odd precedent. Yeah, and that, that's the hardest part about this case for me is because on one hand, yes, I agree he should have been killed. Yeah. Uh but on the other hand The exact same thing is happening with yep. those two who are technically also murderers. Yep. So it's just one of those cases that mm-hmm. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer in it. Uh, but I mean, they did what they had to. So we'll just leave it at that. So the one thing that the, you know, this did the life and death of Ken Rex McElroy presents a complex narrative of crime, justice and community dynamics. His notoriety as a town bully and the failure of the legal system to curb his criminal activities ultimately led to a dramatic and controversial resolution. The events surrounding McElroy's killing and Skidmore remain a testament to the complexities of justice, vigilantism, and the endurant impact of one of man's tumultuous, one man's tumultuous life on a small American town. And with that being said, thank you for listening. We truly, truly appreciate all your support. Like and subscribe our YouTube channel and wherever you listen to this podcast on. All links are in the description. At the end of our episode or on any of our social medias, Please let us know if you have any questions that you would ask for us. Um, We would love to answer them or do any sort of Q&A. It would be absolutely awesome. And as always, we'll keep you guessing.